Welcome to episode 68 of Not Politically Correct. What is going down, everybody? It's the homie TS, a.k.a. C-Nova. You know, I gotcha. A.k.a. Hank Hook, a.k.a. Mexican Raiden, a.k.a. E.T.E., a.k.a. The Wonton Don, a.k.a. Quentin Quarantino. Yes. Yes, I knew I had new ones. And you can find me on Twitter at C-Nova KPZ. McCoy? Yo, yo, yo. It's your boy McCoy, a.k.a. Mr. What It Do, a.k.a. Young Splash God, a.k.a. No Cap Charlie, a.k.a. Smooth Job Johnny, a.k.a. Doped Up Danny, a.k.a. FBI Mike, a.k.a. Hallway mm. Jones, mm. because your bitch might make me a ringtone again one day. You can find me at uh, <clears throat> Real McCoy KPZ. That's uh, Twitter every day, all the time, and Snapchat or, or Instagram once every three months and then also uh snapchat the real mccoy rebel hey it's cody she <laughs> recording everything but any andrew bobby also no as banana nano you can catch me on the hot uh, e string <laughs> <laughs> Because right, uh. <laughs> your tuning key might make me a bridge. That <laughs> <laughs> your Vocaloid might be in C. No, all right. Um. <laughs> Russ, it's time to get to you, bridge. <laughs> That's good. That was good. That's gone. Uh, Who are you, man? <laughs> Oh, I am uh, Russ the Barman, aka Teddy Russ, aka Smooth Fingers, aka Kid Universal, aka Blue Wars Q, aka The Progenitor, aka Russ the Bus. With all the hi hats. Um, you can find me on the chattiest of snaps. Snapchat <laughs> himself. I'm gonna change my name to that. I'm, I'm really gonna change my name to that. Hey man, last episode. <laughs> you would I say it every episode. One yeah, you'd be the only one in the group that could spell that, so... Right. Good for you. <laughs> Dude, hey, yo, I've been thinking about changing his name today, and I was like... He's I like, there's like a silent Q, you there. guys. There's a silent upside-down Q. <laughs> <laughs> upside-down. It's Greek. You got there like in Nina. Nina, Nina. It's Greek. <laughs> it's Greek. <laughs> Sir Thaddeus Snapchatius. Soon Red. to be Thaddeus Snapchatius, and we'll get the spelling out to you. Uh, Esquireville. <laughs> and our IG is Candy Cupidity, C A N D I D underscore C U P I D I T Y. I T Y. Hey, why did Cody just turn into the I may have tripped over a coffee table and I'm going to use an excuse that's weird and doesn't make sense. Anywho. Welcome back. <laughs> oh man! Oh, wow. oh so <clears throat> just so you guys know, if you want to keep up with us, you can like our page on Facebook at Not Politically <clears throat> at NPC Podcast. Um, you can be a part of the Facebook group at Not Politically Not Politically Correct Podcast. God, I can't talk anymore. I'm fucking horrible at this. Um, or read. <laughs> you can um, follow us on Twitter at NotPCPodcast, and you can listen to us at anything that you can hear things, like sound, on at uh, SoundCloud, 
the podcast app, uh, Spreaker, Google Play, um, anything, anything that you can listen to stuff on. Find us at Not Politically Correct Podcast. All you got to do is just search us. We'll come up, like us, review us, tell us we're good, tell us we fucking suck ass and we should stop this shit. Whatever you need to tell us, just get it off so that <laughs> we can have a open, honest dialogue about how great we know we fucking are. Did I miss anything? Uh, no. Okay. Sports. Spiggy, spiggy. Sports. Okay. There's a lot. I have notes. I don't know if we can get through it all because we've been gone for about uh, Fortnite and seven scores or eight <laughs> scores or whatever Top Hat Tommy was talking about back then. But um, So we already talked about <laughs> NBA is coming back. Um, it'll be July 31st to August or to October 12th, um, which with that in mind, that is uh, Vince Carter has played his last game. And that's by, that's so, by default, right? Because his team is not going to be a part of the teams that get to continue for the league, right? Correct. Like they're cutting out like the bottom like four teams. Right. So, so there's 22 teams that will play eight regular season games per team uh, before starting the playoffs. There's 13 in the Western Conference and nine in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they got in the West, Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Jazz, um, Thunder, Rockets, Mavs, Grizzlies, Blazers, Pelicans, Kings, Spurs, and Suns. Uh, um, seeds nine, 9 through 13 are going to be uh, playing for the playoffs. Um, they'll have... Um, even the Wizards in the East will do that too. They'll do a, a play-in for the eighth seed uh, to stay in the playoffs run. The ninth seed can't be more than four games behind the eighth seed, and they're going to have a little tourney for that too. So I think that'll be interesting. They're kind of have like a mini tournament before the actual playoffs to do the championship and stuff, you know? That's that's weird. I feel like that's like a lot of... First of all, I didn't know that they were dividing it, so I, I didn't know that the, the, the West would have more teams than the East. That to me, that seems a little bit like odd, like miscalculated. I don't know. I don't know how, because because there's still going to be East and West conference like playoffs, right? Yeah, but if yeah, but if you look at like the overall um, record, uh, like winning record and stuff like that, the West has more teams that have higher records in the East so they're kind of going off that too, but they're still going to have the same number of teams in the playoffs like eight seeds, you know on each side, but they got to do the play, like the mini tournament to decide who's going to be like the eighth seed for that Okay, well I'm, I'm excited to see this come together because I, as much as I love you Cody, I don't understand like, how, like I think I'm going to have to like visually see it on ESPN when they put it on a fucking the, the boards or whatever or something like I like because it, it makes no sense to me that the East would be even though I get understanding that they have more winning teams than the West but if the if it's still split up between East and West I'm just wondering it's still unbalanced so it's just it's one extra team vying for the playoffs in the East and it's okay like four or five in the West here can you not like the the listeners can see this, but do you see my piece of paper here? Right. No. I'm, yes, I'm aware. So it's like the, you know, the Did wizards. You write that down. This is I've had this for weeks, but we haven't recorded. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So we have, you know, there's still other teams in the East, obviously, that aren't listed on here, but um, they have a lot worse records than the Wizards and then the 9 through 13 seeds in the West as well. So it just doesn't make sense there. And But they're still going to have that tourney. So, like, Wizards and Magic will probably do the little tourney in the East for who's going to be eighth seed. And then they'll have the 9 through 13. And the, like I said, um, they can't be more than four games behind to be the A seed. But so far, they have the Grizzlies as the A seed. Damn. So, so those bottom like five teams can have their own little thing going on for a second so they can figure out. Right. Okay, got it. Got, okay, now that makes sense because they're not really... Is that good? With the other, okay. Does that say Spurs at the bottom? Yeah. Spurs are that Let's low? Let's say what? Does that say... Was that Spurs? 12th, yeah. What? The world you um, live in, the Spurs, Spurs are 12, and, 12 seed in the West. Wow, it is definitely 2020, man. I'm old because I never mm. thought I'd see the day, the day those Spurs were anything less than eight. Like, oh, man. Well, I mean, all those guys kind of retired already. Right, they were, right. like, playing to their 40s. Tony Parker, Gene Ogley. Jesus Christ, Cody, your beard is amazing. Oh, thank you. Sorry. Yeah, I got another compliment for my sister. She didn't mean to compliment me, but she said that I look like um, Wolverine. I'm like, yes. She's like, no, trim it. And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an X-Men. What do you think? Right. I just achieved my life goal. Are you kidding me? Do you know what she's done to my <laughs> ego right about, now? <laughs> you'd be about Wolverine's height, too, right? Like three foot two? Uh, <laughs> three foot two. Wonton, go, go away. About three foot two and a half, like. He's five five. I'm taller than him. I won't, I won't say how much though, but I'm About taller. A half. Got it. Right. <laughs> okay. So anywho. Five point five one inches tall. <laughs> what about the part that my bones are made of aluminium? Okay, talk about that part. <laughs> and mithril. No. All right. So then that um, that actually, I thought it was interesting that. Um, Speaking of the NBA, so there was the. I'm trying to find it. There, oh, here we go. They, uh, what's her name? Laura Ingram. She was two years ago the reporter that told LeBron and Kevin Durant, shut up and dribble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a few weeks ago, Drew Brees, he came out and apologized already, but he thought that he said first that um, he doesn't understand why people are disrespecting the flag by nailing. But now, like, he apologized and his teammates are backing him up, which I still think is like, bro, this is so old and you still think that? Like, I don't think that your apology is that sincere. You know, we really right. mean it, but whatever. But she, so she said shut up and dribble two years ago. Now for Drew Brees, she says, he's allowed to have an opinion. I'm like, what? what? Right, right. She seems like a, what's your name, Tommy Lauren or something? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Exactly yeah. like Tommy yeah. Lauren. I'm yeah. like, Wow. He's allowed to have an opinion. Yeah, but, uh, went on a whole rant about that um, when, he, when she told, uh, I think it was LeBron to set up a dribble. Yeah, LeBron and said? KD. Yeah. yeah, and he was talking Which about Which, that's why he had the shirt that said, uh, more than an athlete. Right, right, right. And so it, it's, it's crazy because, like, the way people look at athletes is it's crazy in the in the one hand because you know they they're almost considered like mini gods or to some people even gods, and that you know right. they can do no wrong until they do wrong, and then all of a sudden 
they're like the villain. And well, it's like they you they're made to play sports, but then you guys say like, oh, you need to do this better in life because you're kids' role models, and it's like they didn't sign up to be. But then when they do something role model worthy or something and have a do something outside of sports, they're like, oh, you should you should stick to sports. It's like what? Right. Plus, this right. is not anything new. If we go back to Muhammad Ali, yep. or Jackie Robinson, like yep. it's all politics and other. Right. I mean, they're yeah. human beings. Right. I think you need, and you, like, no, no matter what, people are going to look up to people, for better or for worse, right. you know, however we feel mm-hmm. about that personally, but, you know, being being that that is a fact, you know, you almost have to just let what happens happen. You can't tell them to shut up because they're humans reacting to human events and things going on in the world, so... Just like Drew Brees is allowed to have an opinion, so the fuck is LeBron and KD and everything, and I just find it so, right. like, it's just, at this point, it's that blatant, hypocrisy. that blatant racism shit that you just know is going on, and it's like, it's, like, I mean, I don't even, you know, um, Ingram or whatever her name is, I haven't, I've never watched her show, I just know those clips and those moments, but... I'm sure she hasn't come out and after the Drew saying the Drew Reeves should have an oh. opinion comment and said anything about, well, I, you know, I take that back. Or, you know, I did say that. I, she probably has not even taken a moment to acknowledge the fact that she is a hypocrite. You know, yeah, it's people like that that don't have the, I don't know what you want to call it, but I'll just say like the decency and respect Moral for humankind to put themselves in other people's shoes or have played devil's advocate and stuff like that. You're just gonna like stick to your one judgment view. Because, it, but their blinders are on because they don't want to. Right. Have to deal with right. the fact that they could potentially be wrong. So it is what it is. Potentially, yeah, only potentially. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so since we're talking about the NFL now, they uh, released a statement saying that they uh, condemn racism and the systematic oppression of black people we at the nfl admit we were wrong for not listening to nfl players earlier and encourage all to speak out and peacefully protest we the nfl believe black lives matter hashtag inspire change so they actually do an apology um which then they are urging teams to try to sign colin kaepernick um which i heard that minnesota might have been interested and that he was working out with the la chargers they so just, they I don't lose their quarterback this offseason. Philip Rivers. Yeah, Philip Rivers. Yep. I believe so. Um, I'm gonna check that out right now. But uh, yeah, he. Um, let's see, Philip. I know he moved Black back to Florida. Um, on some like proposed like. He oh yeah, he went to the Colts. That's right. Okay. Yep. Mm. Yeah, okay. Indianapolis. Yeah. Um, no, that was uh, Tom Brady that went to Tampa Bay. No. And I just found Phillip, out. Philip Rivers lived, lived <clears throat> had a, his original home was in Florida. And so he left, packed oh, up okay. all this shit from L.A. at the end of the season and was like, or Sandy, or yeah, L.A. and was like, I'm going back home to Florida. Like, I'm, we're moving back to Florida. When he, when he had been living in L.A. And it wasn't on some, like, end of the season type shit. It was on some, like, I'm moving my wife and kids all the way back to Florida right. permanently. He like knew he was fucking done with. That word. Which I was, I was looking stuff up yesterday. I didn't know that uh, Randall Cobb is now in a Texan. Yep. He was playing for the Cowboys. Yeah. Mm. I'm like, wow, wow. I didn't know that either. Yeah. 
which I feel like his career is kind of going on a little decline. I don't know if it's the team because he wasn't doing that well with the Cowboys, but, I mean, we'll see. I mean, he's getting older, but he, he was really good. He's still good, but not as good as he was. And this and that. This and that. This and that. Randall, was Randall Cobb, he wasn't on, <clears throat> on the, the Packers when we won the Super Bowl, like, 10 years ago. <laughs> no, we drafted him the year following that we won. So we won the Super Bowl, then we drafted him. But um, lastly, there is, and I've heard talks that there was a, fa- a film crew kind of like following Kobe around for his like last two seasons or so, um, and it was kind of in hopes like, is there going to be a Kobe documentary scene or something? Kind of like alluding to like a Last Dance thing, but they have something called Mamba Out, a Clutch Points original series. Um, so there'll be eight episodes, kind of like. How uh, the last dance was, where they had two episodes, or yeah, the last dance, um, two episodes each like week, the same day it would release. So July fifth will be episodes one and two, um, July nineteenth will be, or sorry, twelfth will be three and four, July nineteenth will be five and six, and July twenty sixth will be seven and eight. Oh, I had seen uh, somebody tweet. I don't know whether it's true or not because it's Twitter. Um, <laughs> But it sounds true that Kobe's daughter was saying that she wishes people would stop tweeting about Kobe and stop creating fan pages and stop uh, bringing him up so much, the portraits and all that other stuff, because it's making it really, really hard to grieve. It's really making it really, really hard to move past the fact that her father is gone. And I would feel that, like, when... Yeah. If ever any normal person's family member passes, um, they, I don't know about how everybody else does it, but I didn't want to look at any pictures of my mom for a long time yeah. before I could. I was okay with it. And I couldn't imagine if she was always on the TV or being posted up. I, Man, that, that would be tough. And, and I know everyone's yeah. different, too, because um, there was a funeral I went to for like a family friend of ours and uh, – the wife passed and uh the husband keeps talking to my mom saying like no one wants to talk to me about like her loss they're like afraid to or something like that but i thank you for the friendship but talking to her because i need to talk to her she's all i knew like my whole life so i know it can be hard and i i haven't heard that like kobe's daughter said that but i would believe it i mean that i mean you go online like things are everywhere and that that would be hard to grieve i can't imagine yeah, and I see that, and I see kind of both sides because you know you have people talking um, about him because you know he he was their hero. Um, one of the things that um, Dave Chappelle said in his recent uh, YouTube rant was that um, you know one of the reasons he didn't go to um, the award show was because his friend had died. You know what I'm saying? His his friend, yeah, and he was grieving the loss of that. Um, but he said one of the things that happened was there was a great tragedy. And then Kobe went to score like 60 points that night. Um, and he was like, he was bringing back the humanity to people. And people looked up to him like that because of who he was and his personality and how motivated and driven he was that a lot of people could get over things that they thought they couldn't get over. So, I mean, I, I see both sides of it. Like, yeah, you don't want to be reminded of the death of somebody that's so close to you and so important to you. And to other people, they're remembering him because they it helps them get through. So, I mean, you got to mm-hmm. respect her wishes because that's her father. But 
in the same token, um, and I and I hate to say this, but she may need to just disappear <laughs> for a minute um, to kind of like. I mean, disappear like pull back from social media and everything, no, just to kind of center herself. Like Russell that. turns you know around, I mean? like, "Say hi to your dad for me." <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's right. that's what it is. If you have a, a a family member who is a prominent figure in 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 the media in the social media, um, it's it's going to be hard to like get people to stop doing that because usually that person meant something to them too, um, and it's not fair. It's not fair at all. It's just I, I, I think another thing to that layers on top of that is like the the world climate, the climate of the world right now is just so different. It's mm-hmm. so volatile that you know having lost your father right before the world went to shit, it's like that was the last piece of maybe like goodness you had in your right. life, and uh-huh. it's and maybe trying to like really deal with that, you know, is harder. You know, pro- probably for her because. For one, how old is his daughter? She can't be no more than like what, nineteen? His oldest daughter? I don't like. I don't know her exact age, but she can't be no more than eighteen, nineteen. I don't think. And thinking yeah. about thinking about like the generation she grew up in. She grew up with the internet, so it's like you know she damn near is you know gonna always be on social media or be around. So I think. What you said, Russell, like, you know, her having to, like, disappear, just, like, fall back from it, it's, like, oh, that might be the only way to mm-hmm. keep herself sane at this point, you know what I mean? Because everybody in the world is just trying to find something to latch onto that makes them feel good. And if posting Kobe Bryant, um, and this is coming from one of the, the biggest, like, you internet motherfuckers, like, even right. if you didn't know him, <laughs> if, if I'm at the point where if, if posting Kobe Bryant and talking about him, uh, like, like, you had fellowship with him. Make it another that, day or right, something like that. that, that yeah. makes you, if that makes you feel good, then I'm for it and I encourage it because right now we need all the feel good that we can possibly fucking get. So, I, mm-hmm. you know. And I think, I think that would also be a benefit to her to kind of pull away from social media now while she's at that age because as you get older, it seems to get harder and harder because you, it's so ingrained into everything that you do yeah. that you when you realize it you were like yo i spend way too much time on this app I, i'm it's not doing much of anything for me except reinforcing certain terrible <laughs> right. uh mindsets and behaviors and just allowing me to be um hyped off of uh was it endorphins um yeah. that getting that that release of of that that um a repetitive motion um training my brain to be um, excited for that instead of being able to like pull away, read a book, do uh, something that's uh, otherwise productive. So it, it really gets harder and harder as you get older and older because you're so used to it. Yeah, for real. <sighs> oh, I have another question, Cody. I don't know if you have the answer to this or you look this up, but what happens to the next season of basketball? So like, uh, with whatever, with how they're. Re- oh. Reinstating it is going to end in October, right? Yeah, so if you listen to uh, NPC episode 67, um, <laughs> <laughs> they are starting the um, the next season or the following season around Christmas time or late December. Okay, bet. So niggas just don't get And that wasn't like. Though. Well, I mean, they, they've had, they're having their time right now. But I mean, it wasn't exactly. like. Yeah, and agree. it's not even like because so much of the virus or coronavirus, you know? 
but like I think it kind of helps. But they were talking about having it, pushing the season back, or having it start it later in the season. Oh, okay. Cool. So it kind of worked out in their advantage. Ezekiel Elliott has Man. coronavirus, by the way. He does? Hey, he's, he plays for hey, what? Yeah. Dallas, right? Yeah. Oh, man. And speaking of that, music. On the topic of the coronavirus and everything. Um, music. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Florida, it may be the new epicenter of the virus. They had a huge spike in numbers recently because of everything that's been opening up. And I'm only assuming that that's going to happen across the country, which I'm a little more fearful of because uh, before the coronavirus happened, nobody believes, well, I guess we were ill-informed. We'll say that. The country was ill-informed, so nobody took any precautions. Then it happened, whole country got locked down for the most part. Now everything is open back up and all these states are saying that they're just gung ho about not locking themselves down again. They're not going to quarantine again. Everything is just going to remain open. And now people are getting sick even faster. (laughs) And by the thousands, it seems, uh, at least if we're going by Florida's numbers. There's a big state in California, too, that, like, reopened and had, like, 4,000 cases in, like, one day or one week or something like that. But there's a couple places in the country that have been like that. Um, Arizona had a huge spike. Um, Texas has been notorious for the continual rise of uh, coronavirus uh, counts as well as deaths. Um, And, you know, it it worries me with these two in particular because I have family members there, Uh, even in Florida with the the recent spike. Um, New York has been terrible for this virus because of the close proximity of everyone. So it's 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 been this way. It's just we're we're hearing a lot more about it. Um, And plus, we have a person in charge who like racism denying it. (laughs) Right. Um, who's denying it, who's denying um, people the right to stay at home and we're not shutting down again and all this other stuff. So you have people in charge who are not for the continued health um, conditions and health growth, I guess that's a term, um, to get over this virus, to survive this virus, and to really put the fear into people like, this is something that's real. It's not something that's made up. It's not something that's caused by radiation from uh, towers and things like this is a real virus that still has real effects and if you don't take the proper precautions and proper measures you are being more of a a part of the problem than the solution and agreed i bring that up to say this in regards to sports um i forget who the owner of the mlb is but he's been getting calls about like all right, you said that you're going to have the season start or we're going to get some kind of baseball and what the fuck is going on and blah, blah, blah. And um, the NFL was talking about they might try to open, but they have to try and keep stuff in a bubble. Or maybe that's what um, put mm-hmm. the the Secretary of Health or whatever his name is. No, uh, Damn it, I can't remember his name. It starts with an F. Last name starts with an F. Well, Fuchi, Fuchi, Fukumi, Fuchi, yeah, Fuchi, yeah, Fuchi. yeah, yeah, <laughs> that dude, <laughs> <laughs> that was his auntie, actually, but, 
But yeah, I, I think he was saying that if the NFL opens, they have to figure out some way to keep everybody in a bubble. But I'm not even sure how the rest of this year. I don't think anybody's going to be sure of the rest, the way the rest of this year is going to play out. I think it's a novel idea that I mean, it's kind of like right now is going to do stuff. I think it's a novel idea that the NFL or even the MLB, anybody is going to plan to quote unquote have sporting events by the end of the year. But based off of the numbers that are going on right now, I think it's just that a novel idea. I don't think right. we can safely have sports in the year 2020. It's kind of like what the NBA is doing right now is they're, you know, doing going to Florida, doing it, was it Universal or, or uh, Disney? Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah. and, but they're not going to have any fans. They're not, I don't, there's like a few photographers or video, but like it's, gonna, no one's going to be there really. So it's going to be weird. I'm still laughing. Play. I'm, still, I'm still fucking laughing at the fact that they are, they are thinking about using NBA 2K audience right. sounds. For like, right. what the fuck? Like, that's hilarious. That's fucking. Yeah, what? they are. Super, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're gonna be using the NBA 2K audience sounds. I, 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 okay, <laughs> I just want to know: Are they gonna be playing these out the <laughs> the fucking loudspeakers in the stadium <laughs> while they playing? Dude, they're gonna have like some petty like college student that does like a the NBA heat or the uh, what's it called NBA Jam right, from half court. <laughs> he's on fire. <laughs> What's, what's no. funny is, do you know how, how crazy that's going to be? They tell you you're going to play in an empty empty stadium or empty uh, empty arena, and you get in there, you play, and all of a sudden you're, yeah. I would be freaking out. Like, where are you? Boom, shakalaka. You sucked the rim. What the fuck was that, man? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, I'd be or, or somebody gets injured. Or somebody gets injured, they play the canned aww. <laughs> Listen here, I'll be the ghost ass. I don't care. <laughs> I'll be the ghost ass. <laughs> He's laughing at himself. <laughs> Duh. So yeah, that's that's the highlight of sports for 2020 is that we have to use video game sounds to make them niggas feel at home and shit like that. That shit crazy as fuck to me, dog. All right. <sighs> That's, That's hilarious. Crazy. Actually, right, put in Madden. <laughs> I I really hope that if they do that, that somewhere along the lines, the crowd sooner or later it glitches and it just starts skipping in audio or something like that. <laughs> girl, you know it's girl, you know it's girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you know. Wait, Cody, I have a question. So, in the East for the NBA, did Detroit make the top eight or nine? No. Bucks, Raptors, Celtics, Heat, Pacers, Sixers, Nets, Magic, Wizards. I figured that. But you know what Detroit does have that nobody else has? Derrick Rose. Mike Posner. Oh, you're right. I am. Mike Posner. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what Mike Posner has? He has an album. He has three. Good one. He has he has multiple albums, but he has one particular album that came out last year that we're gonna talk about today. Called "A Real Good Kid." This CD apparently came out following the loss of a couple of different people, including um, notably his father. Um, So the history of Mike Posner, and this is one of Cody's favorite artists, so he can cue in and kind of and a hero of mine and a hero of his. Um, It's based. He's from Detroit. 
Um, he came up in the late 2000s. He actually did a lot of collaboration with other Detroit artists like Big Sean. Um, on his way up, he ended up um, for a little bit being originally he was independent, and then he got signed, I believe, to Rock Nation. Um, in the midst of like, um, his journey up, now he's not currently signed to Rock Nation. Um, he 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 had a interviews with Jay Z. Um, he offered him Jay Z offered him um, a deal. Mike countered it. He Mike ended up signing with a company called J Records, which is a subsidiary of RCA Records. Ah, okay, okay. This is Cody. Slave and Glaive. Um, but this particular this particular piece comes like on the heels of him losing people, and I, in listening to this 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 album. From the beginning, in the introduction, he tells you to, he basically tells you that this album is to be listened to, start to finish, in one sitting, removing all distractions um, uh, from the outside. And what you get in this album is very interesting. It's like a emotional period piece, if that makes any sense. I listen to this and I get so much... As opposed to like what track is what, which I am gonna do some breaking down of that. This album is much more an emotional, like an emotional adventure. You know, you you hear high points and low points in delivery. You hear high points and low points in instrumentation, so that, that so that way you can hear high points and low points in his vocals and his emotions based on what's going on via the track or the, or, or the song or, um, you know, like where he is at that moment in the album. So that's, that, a real good kid caught me there. Um, so some of the, some of the, my favorite songs on here, um, Move On. I like the way Move On was put together with like production, but like heartfelt lyrics. Um, I felt like the stripped down production gave way to you hearing like the feeling of his vocals more it, what it, 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 it had a lot of instrumentation but it, it didn't sound uh, crowded like certain notes were held and delivered um, to a certain point where you could feel it like it, things were layered properly and it wasn't nothing felt overdone on the song and that's one of the things that I I mean I started like really following and looking up to him actually about 10 years ago now um and like watching old videos of him recording in his Duke um, dorm room, and like he produces his own music and stuff like that. So it's really cool to see like how much he's progressed and gotten better and intricated and studied other people with that. Yeah, that's what. For, uh, some somebody that I kind of felt as I was listening to him, as I was listening to this album, I felt a lot of like, and I don't mean I don't mean to be blasphemous about this, but I felt a lot of like Prince Prince vibes. In the sense of, not not that he's making Prince music, but in the sense of him being handling all this production, all this songwriting, him playing like I feel like he plays multiple instruments to get this, to make this happen. Um, he just it just put me in a mind frame of like a like a Prince type of artist. You know what I mean? Like somebody who's very big on his on his instruments and and just being musically sound, like mm -hmm. somebody who just. You know, with this with this generation that, that we're in and the ones coming up underneath us, we've been very big on computer um, production. And I feel like 
he blends those those two worlds together from somebody that he like that's like thirty years old. He's like in our age range, so he he's been there for the rise of the Fruity Loops and the Logic and you know and the Garage Band, and I think he meshes that well with playing actual instruments on top of that. And I, I really I fuck with that sound too. Um, Drip was one of, was another like you you're gonna hear me say this a lot in my reviews. The way he writes and delivers the messages in these in these records. Um, Drip was just really well written and delivered perfectly in all the transitions from how it opens to like this like it has like this really funky sound and then he laced it and strips strips that out and ha has that emotional emotional like monologue with the listener or to the listener. Like I just thought that in terms of creating a feel or a vibe you know, and the record, you know, it's called Drip, and he's talking about, like, in, in that monologue, in that monologue, talking about shedding tears about the things that's going on. I just thought that it was well crafted. That is, th those are the strong points of A Real Good Kid for me, is that Mike, Mike knew, went into this, I feel like, knowing he had tons of things to get off his chest, and it had to be concise, and he, he really, um, from, like, an artist standpoint, I was, re like, respect respected so much the way he was putting these things together and giving me this story. Um, another one of the best songs for me, um, Staring at the Fire. Uh, I just know, I noted this because of the chorus. I'm in love with the chorus, the way he layered the, the burn, burn, burn part with like what seems like a choir effect. And if not, like if it wasn't mm -hmm. an actual choir on top of it, the way he again produced this album with the production to, to make it sound the way it sounded, it certain points certain pieces of delivery just had just touches you or you hear it and you're like damn shit ooh like I felt certain times I'm like damn I think I'm now sad a little bit cause this motherfucker just hit me with something you know what I'm saying like it was that like do y'all feel what I'm saying like it, it, a lot of it was that it just felt you could feel it you could feel it in so many different ways um perfect was another one of my favorite ones um it has an interesting way of flows in which it's a build up from the simple production and then uh, Posner like listing what's perfect to him and then exploding into like emotional belting of notes and layering again with the, the uh, choir. The vibe is like cleansing. It, t it has like um, the like takes the listener to church vibes. You know, like I feel like you on this ride of him like getting through this emotion of losing his dad and uh, uh, the other people he's talking about, whether he's talking about, has a couple of songs about, you know, women not being there or, um, and I know he mentioned in uh, one of the songs, I believe it's Avicii, who's a producer, another producer who died. Well, that was a big friend of his. It was a big hit, right, right. So, he's, this album is like him kind of sifting through loss, which, um, for me, I could feel because, you know, I've, I've dealt with that um, on a couple of different levels. So, I liked how during these songs, especially like Perfect, He's dragging you, he's not dragging you, but taking you hand in hand with him through the emotional, like, like, um, cleansing that he's trying to have through his music. Um, Stuck in the Middle is like a, has like a, ha, it's, has a happy anthem, like, vibe type of thing. It reminds me of like early two, early 2010s pop record. It's not, it's not, it's not super happy, like, in terms of, what's being uh, conveyed, but the, the vibe of it like reminded me like 
why the the era that Mike Posner comes from because I because as I'm getting older I often like look back and like damn ten years ago it was like oh nine to twenty ten and this was happening in rap and this was like what was sounding right and people were doing and it reminded me that we're in twenty twenty and Posner came up in the era of like his era was like the twenty tens you know the late two thousand twenty tens is like really where he caught his 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 footing and got his stronghold and you can tell that. He craft he can craft like a pop record from that from that era. Well, I just like the way the record sounded, um, um, just like instrument wise or like beat wise, which leads me to this best production, um, man, song about you, very funky bounce and a super like a super like dope baseline. Um, for some odd reason, a song about you that like reminds me a lot of like, uh. Eminem show era Eminem in the sense of how it felt, how the chorus was sung. It had like a stadium or like a wide anthem sound to it. So song about you, like, I just love the production, on, like the production on that one. Um, Move on. Um, I just love the way it's uh, simple. It's heavy, but it's simplified with that guitar and like that. Uh, uh, I don't know. Like it, it does. It's not too much going on in that song, but the, I like how the guitar is like the lead, the leading sound in that song, so I think uh, Move On has some really dope um, instrumentation on it. Drip, the first part of that, super bouncy, it sounds like, a, it really sounds like a Dr. Dre or like a Timberland beat, I was really fucking with that one, um, because he, he, that song has so many different transitions and so many different, it's like, it's like almost three different vibes, three different songs in one song, um, but I like how he brings you in with that bouncing and changes it up and it brings in the more acoustic guitar vibe. But yeah, that first part of the first part of drip is like really, really saucy. And I'm like, that would have been dope to have maybe like bring in Big Sean and bring in one of your, you know, former like Detroit rap buddies and have somebody on there to kinda to vibe with you. Um, how it's supposed to be. How it's supposed to be is one of my favorite pieces on this. Um, it's the last song and it's one of my favorite pieces on this album. How it's supposed to be, and the way it's delivered, the way it's written, it reminds me of. It just kept reminding me of like a, like a Bob Dylan record, like especially in the way that he was, um, saying the line, like how it, like singing the line, how it's supposed to be. I don't know why I just kept hearing for me, and I could be, this just could be me. I just kept he hearing and feeling like a Bob Dylan vibe, and then I love how the way the production sounds like more of a class not classical rock but more of like a 70s rock vibe um well everyone you're comparing him to so far you're hitting the nail on the head on who he's influenced by okay see this makes sense because you can, i can hear it coming through on the record so um yeah that that like how it's supposed to be i don't know what it is about that song but it just wraps everything kind of like up for me I, I i think the essence of this um project can be found in that song um the essence of how mike seems to work and this made me want to go pick up some of his other stuff. The essence of how he seems to work, I felt like I've, everything that was going on in the other track, you got a sense of that in how it's supposed to be. Like, he was kind of bringing all that those, those best moments and putting it into that record. Um, so, enough about what I think. Russ, T.S., Cody, you guys have heard this album. Um, what are y'all thoughts on it? What do y'all think about it? For me, the album was. I'm not. I'm going to be honest. I listened to it once. 
I could only get through the album one time because it it was super heavy. And I I couldn't bring myself to listen to it again because of how heavy it is since I know the gravity of everything that he's going through in that CD. It's just a little too much for me personally right now. I think it was a very well-written CD and very well-composed. Production, like you said, is on point. Everything is great about the CD. It's not a bad CD at all. (laughs) That's not why I'm not going back to it. I think that's why I can't go back to it right now because he conveyed his feelings so good that it it easily just transferred into me. Um, I... (laughs) <laughs> pause sure <laughs> uh, i i got i get i pick up a similar feeling if i listen to um too much eminem or too much kid cuddy and like too much eminem i might feel myself in the mix of be- being angry or depressed too much kid cuddy i definitely get sad and depressed this mike po- posner posner mike posner album <laughs> <laughs> Just off of one CD listen to is like, ah, this is too heavy. Great CD, but for me, too heavy to listen to. So I can't give you my favorite tracks or anything like that. Bartman, what you think, man? Um, well, me and Cody were kind of talking about this last week. Um, the album for me was really full of nostalgia. Um, now, I, I'm, the first two tracks I kind of skipped over because, um, like Tia said, they were kind of, like, really, really heavy, and it was like, okay, okay, I need to <laughs> get further into this album. Um, but Wide Open, I think, is, if it's not my favorite, it's one of my favorites. Um, Move On, Drip, those were the, 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 the big three that really stood out to me that I liked. But um, this whole album was, like, really, really nostalgic for me because... Um, it reminded me of so many different artists that I used to listen to um, during different times in my life. And um, not just the vibe or um, the vocals or how he constructed the song. Um, it was just like people were just coming back to my uh, memory. Like, oh, man, I remember dude. And oh, man, what happened? Why I stopped listening to uh, this cat? Um, just to name a few, like... Um, you know, I still listen to Queen and, and some of the orchestration in this... Um, CD really reminded me of Queen um, and that 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 era of, of music. Yeah. Um, and then um, Ray Lamont, uh, Ray Lamontagne, Lamontagne. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. I heard it pronounced uh, Lamontagne and Lamontagne. Um, his kind of soulful presence on the on the on on um, in his singing is what this this album reminded me of. Um, Aqualung, Keen. Um, it was just a lot um, of different artists that I that I really brought up and really had to go back and listen to, re-listen to because of a lot of the songs in this in this CD. So I think it's a dope CD. I think you're on point with, with everything you said as far as like the production, um, the lyrics um, being heavy but being so um, insightful um, because they were real and his emotions. I think it was just a, it's a dope CD, and I I definitely probably listen to it again. Um, I don't know what I can say because I, I mean, I, I like it so much. 
The guy said a lot already. I don't know what he said too. But I mean, yeah, he's very influenced by a lot of people, um, musicians from like the 40s and 50s up until today, um, which is crazy. He's got a wide variety of, you know, music genre that he admires. Um, but yeah, the amount of emotion that he poured into this and the stories and stuff with the death of Avicii and his dad and the breakup he had and stuff. Um, it's definitely different because he did, like in one of his interviews, he said that he, he was a, he has a friend that plays country music and they were like just back and forth playing each other's songs and stuff like that. And he played him one song and the guy said, uh, like, Oh, that's, I like that song. What's it about? And he's like, well, Mike said, uh, I took one song or I used part of a story that I messed with this one girl in New York, mixed it with a girl that I messed with in this, like in Atlanta or something. And then the rest of it I made up and he said, Mike, why don't you just tell the truth? So then he wrote like, that's when he got home and started writing like part of this album and stuff like that, which I think is really cool. It's just not like making up a song. It's just like all like what happened in real life. Wow. Damn. See, and you can tell that he's pulling from real life heartache and like real life pain, you know, um, in, cause I don't think you get the, the type of feelings that TS is able to have or that Russ is able to have or that I'm able to have. Like we all, we all can feel, feel the heaviness of like feel the emotion pour through and i don't think you're able to have that um when, mm -hmm. unless somebody is coming from the heart so for me and i don't want that to get misconstrued with for other people that like he only writes like sad stuff like he's got a mixtape out that is like or a few of them a lot of them but like yeah. that are very upbeat or poppy or hip-hop and stuff like oh, that and for sure. energetic I didn't, I didn't, this for me was the first time i seen him or heard him be this <laughs> have this much like of a like I guess like a country feel. I don't want to know if I want to call it country or if you call it like folk or root, like bluegrass. And I'd, I'd go with like folk. Okay, I didn't. This is the first I've heard Mike Posner throughout the years. I've never I sat down with one project that you gave me when we were started working together, and which at I night said, alone. Yeah, yeah. And man. the last four tracks was like earlier songs in that CD, but it was uh, remixed, and you like those best, I think. So that that he has some bouncy some real bouncy shit on that and i'm damn if i go back and play that when i <laughs> hang up with y'all lucky um but so this this for me like all in all um this project is not anything new or something that mm -hmm. we have not seen musically from from like artists it's not he, he's not breaking new ground as an art he's not you know reinventing the wheel or anything like that um but the appeal of this of this project and this album for me is that it is created as a way to deal with loss, which is a human, super big, driving human emotion. It's one of those things that we are all, all going to deal with at some point, if you haven't. Um, and for, for some of us, like me personally, it's very heavy. It's very big on my person, you know what I'm saying? Um, we get very emotional, very heartfelt lyrics, and the delivery and expression shines through. Like, <coughs> that helps this piece stand strong, and I think the best part about it is because I feel what is happening. You feel it the entire time. You know, you have to skip over tracks if you don't want to become uh, emotionally attached or depressed or like thinking about your own shit. Um, I'm gonna, I'm giving this one a uh, megaphones. I'm giving this one a 7.5 megaphones, and here's why. Posner is an amazing artist. Just, I have my my same gripes with this would be the the same gripes I have with uh, ADHD by. Uh, uh, Jordan Lucas, 
Mm. Posner and Lucas are artists who are at the top of their game when it comes to craft. Like, there aren't, I'm willing to bet there aren't many people that can out, you know, outplay or outproduce Posner at this point. Like, I've heard him do different things, shit that's more hip-hop based, and then to come t- into this world and be just, boom, like, spot on, boom, like, Posner is good with this shit. He's cold with this shit. It, it's just, it, because it's so emotionally heavy, replay value for me is going to be hard. This, this is going to be something that you come back to when you got to catch a certain vibe, you know what I'm saying? Like, you got to come back to this when you're trying to, when you're in a breakup and you got to get over something. It's going to be hard for me to, like, drive around and play this particular album. I can't speak on how it works for uh, for you, Cody, because I know you said this is one of your favorites, but it's just, like, it's it's super a super good crafted piece yeah. of music, but it's just hard to come, like, replay value. I wouldn't be able to bump this every single day. Like, I'd have to be in a mood for this. I originally felt like that, but then, like, I started listening to it, and I listened to it, like, on the, like, regularly, and just, like, sing along, like, taking it for the sun, and I already know what the story's about, so it's not gonna, like, creep up on me and surprise me, you know, but it also goes with me really admiring him. Yeah, I, I, I think as an artist, as an artist, I'm more happy about this because this is the type of thing that showcase his, you know, how versatile he can be, how much he can do in the studio, and how self-reliant he is because he does all the production, writes all these stories. Like this man is, um, and that's why I can't, I can't shake the Prince comparison. Even though I know he's like, as an artist, he's, I don't think he's gonna come out in some like flamboyant fit. I don't think he's a showman on that level. But just the the craft, when you strip away all the all the lights and shit, I see a lot of that same type of craft and that same type of ability in him that you might see in an artist like Prince. So, I liked it. I think this, I think it's good music for sure. So, 7.5 megaphones from your boy. Out of 5? Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> special edition. The special edition rating. I feel like. <laughs> so. Daddy, I too. Okay, so I guess it's time for Russell Prosity. Yes, hands. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> let's see. There were a number of different things that have kind of happened over the last couple of weeks. Um, the riots, last protests, the death of many many um, black people, uh, the coming out speech for Candace Owens and her stupidity. Um, and there's there's been such a, a heavy, heavy presence um, because of certain things that I really didn't want to talk about that. Um, I thought it was super dope yesterday, everybody posting um, about their Juneteenth celebrations and, and instructing people on why we celebrate Juneteenth and why we should celebrate that instead of the fourth and, and things of that nature. And it got me really thinking about things that we, we know or we think we know um, and how we're okay with that instead of just trying to reconstruct ourselves, redefine ourselves, relearn and unlearn those things that we have 
become okay with and just take it at face value. Um, <clears throat> the one thing that keeps popping up in my head is that you've got to put the work in. <clears throat> you've got to put in some work. You've got to do something. Um, the more I learn and unlearn and relearn and re-unlearn, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that, that stays firmly in the back of my head. You've got to put the work in. Um, if you don't move your body or your mind in a certain way that pushes past your previous limits and breaks your muscles down or breaks down your thinking, if you don't push past what you think you know and reach to those things that you think you're certain of, but you may not have no, you know, have an idea of or, or a solid idea of, um, if you don't allow your thoughts to be broken down so that they can be rebuilt, um, they can be firmer, stronger, um, they can become more sure, and you can have a better foundation, I really think you are doing yourself a disservice. Um, and that goes for all aspects of life, you know, not just the physical and the mental, but spiritually, um, financially, socially, um, even even in a, a technology sense. If you don't take time to really learn what you have, you won't really know how to use it. Um, in my um, spiritual learning and unlearning and relearning, because even in the in the church, um, there are things that were taught out of tradition that doesn't necessarily mean that they're Bible or that they're spiritual. And you come to a place where um, certain things may not add up to you. And then you like, I want to really see what uh, my scriptural text of choice is really saying about this. Cause we do this practice, but I don't know if this really draws me closer to God and draws me closer to my fellow man to create that, um, that triangle they say where, you know, you have the, uh, yourself to the being you believe in and then yourself to the people around you. Because um, many scriptures say, um, how can you say you love someone who you don't see or can't see, but you treat the people you do see every day with uh, uh, an amount of unlove? Um, and I think that's that's something to really, really think about. You know, How can you say you love something or believe in something when you treat the people around you like they don't matter? Um, yeah. Go ahead. I was going. I was going to say. Uh, uh, yes. Go ahead. No. Go ahead, McCoy. No. Nah, all I want to okay, say. Was okay, that, I'll talk. All, right. okay. <laughs> <laughs> all I wanted. All I wanted to say was I just think that that statement is kind of. Um, it's just weird with everything that's going on. Um, that statement is. Man, it's 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 heavy because it's like we're going. We the shit that we're going through as humans is just is all centered in that idea of not of like not giving people not loving people properly like not having respect for people properly so i just that statement just kind of hit me because i'm just you know that this shit is hard to get through it's like mad depressing like you know i'm just getting i get choked up living now <laughs> like, yeah. like honestly and yeah. i know and I know I mask a lot of shit out of like, <laughs> just like, like, you know, laugh. We all kind of do that, but shit is yeah. fucking rough, man. And it's like, yeah. it's all grounded in the fact that motherfuckers is not giving, you're not, we're not giving each other as humans, like love that we want to receive, you know, like you right. putting this, we not, we are not reciprocating energies that are positive. Um, 
And only we only seem to be able to reciprocate shit that is super fucking negative and volatile. Like you only and we quick to run to it. Exactly. We only want to reciprocate some shit when it's when it's like, okay, you killed this person, I'm gonna kill this, and you did this to me, I'm gonna do this to you. That's the only thing we seem to reciprocate. But it ain't never I for an eye. Like right, <clears throat> some eye for yeah. an eye shit is we can never reciprocate love on a on a on a grand scale. If it's that seems so fucking difficult and it's tremendously hurting. So that's this, when you said it, I was just like, God damn it, he's so right. God damn it, Russell. <laughs> that's that's. <laughs> Did you ask you have something to say? I lost it. Oh. <laughs> Cody, did you have something to say before I move? No, that's right. Okay. Um, one of the things that I'm, I've been seeing recently a lot is um, the whole, it's not black versus white, it's black versus racism, um, which I understand the sentiment behind it, but um, this is probably one of the few places, if any, that I would use the term all, because you know we have the whole Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter. Um, and it's not, and it's like, but all lives aren't in jeopardy right now, but black lives are. Um, and I, I want to say that it's, it's you know, it's not a black and white, black versus white thing. Um, and it's not, it shouldn't be just black versus racism. It should be all versus racism. Because I think that's the, the, the problem. We're still uh, separating things into these, these, uh, tiny compartments to try to separate them um, when we're all human beings and we all need to be against racism and against pre- uh, police brutality. Um, we, we all should be um, more focused on the loving aspect, the protecting aspect, and the uplifting aspect. Um, of course, right now, um, black lives are in jeopardy. Um, um, before... Um, you know, it's, it's, it's never been a time where black lives have not been in jeopardy. And that's the thing that people don't really understand. Um, when, when, um, um, from slavery or when, even before slavery, um, black lives have been in jeopardy. They've, they've always been the threat of, of death, of, 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 of pain, of suffering. Um, there's, there's, there've always been the, the, um, focal point for, um, what seems to be, um, prejudice, discrimination, and um, harm. Um, of course, there have been um, Asian um, groups who have been treated as such, uh, Jewish groups, of course, um, Muslims. Everybody's had their their turn, but it doesn't seem like those who have had their turn as well um, have taken the force off of Black people because it's just been constant for such a long time. Um, there is right. no rest for black people regarding that. Um, so it should be all against racism because all races just about should know how that feels um, to be racially I'm glad, you had, uh, I'm glad that you had said that we all have a part in um, clearing it up <laughs> because for the last few weeks, every now and then I'll get asked by, we'll call him an ally, one of my white friends, it hit me like, yo, How's it going, TS? Everything good? Is there anything that I can do? Is there anything I can do? What? The, I don't know. What the? <laughs> I'm not the ambassador. You're of like, race yeah, I could go for a cookie right now. <laughs> I mean, the the thing that I've been but, been telling to my friends because they reach out to me is um, I tell them to to do their research, to learn, to study, to to you know, because 
it may not be something that you need to do, but what I need you to not do is be a part of the problem. Right. Exactly. And that's exactly what I'm going to say from now on. It took me a while to come to this. And before you had even said it, um, like maybe earlier this week, it finally dawned on me that the only thing that anyone can do is their best (laughs) (laughs) to not perpetuate a negative thing. So you, I'm not going to tell you to, well, you have to organize a protest in your neighborhood, get to get, <laughs> get five guys together, and you guys have to march to the Capitol and demand a change. No, just make sure if you, you're around somebody that's being stupid, correct them. Yeah. Right. Call them out on their bullshit. That's the most that you can do right. that I can think of. If you come up with something extra, that's on you. But if you're personally asking me, what can you do to help the cause? What can you do to help the world? It's just be, make sure that you're correcting whoever is doing wrong. And if you don't see anybody doing wrong, then, I mean, you're damn near in the same boat that I am. Because if any of my homies are doing wrong, I'm going to correct them. We bring up the example all the time of if we're at the club and one of us is um, sexually assault some chick, we're going to correct it. We're not going to stand for that. Same thing with racism or anything else. You see somebody being stupid, correct that shit. That's the most you can do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, 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 uh, just, I'm not even going to say plain devil's advocate, but that's something that I feel in my heart of hearts is we are, as humans, I I find so many times that, um, my biggest issue with racism is that, like, I hate for a motherfucker to tell me how to feel. You know what I'm saying? I hate mm-hmm. for, like, mm-hmm. I don't think if I don't think if a white person or or any you know body doesn't know, if they don't know what to do, and it's like I'm I'm nervous, I'm scared. If they're scared or nervous or whatever the fuck, and they don't want to participate in a in a in a rally or a protest or whatever, I feel totally okay with you not like, not necessarily not speaking out, but I feel okay with you just kind of like. You know, as long as you aren't adding to the problem, I feel okay. Like right. my issue, be- my, it becomes an issue when you're like, "Well, maybe you guys could just no nope, shut, go back to shutting up, go back to shutting up." Right? Don't don't. Right. I haven't been to any protests. How exactly. can I tell exactly. you to do some marching and I haven't taken that one step <laughs> with right. any crowd just of be, people? Like, right? Just be, just be, just be good at being a, at being a human being and knowing what that means is you shouldn't, you know, you wouldn't want somebody to do you wrong based on how you look, you act, you dress, how you feel, let my, and let motherfuckers who don't look like you feel how they feel because you can't tell me to be emotionally calm after being oppressed, a handed down generational oppression for the last 400 years. Like, you don't get to be like, it's done. No, bitch, slavery just ended about 155 years ago, like... And even that ended late on some goddamn, yeah, y'all will be released two years ago, but we gonna hold y'all down for another here in Texas. That's what I really don't like is when when people are like, oh, but slavery ended so long ago, get over it already. It's like, well, you guys are still being racist right now, and look at what's going on. That ended. (laughs) Right. Right, dog. And And then the things that are in place that are based on racism, like the prison system and all of that shit, like, like, dude, if you... And that's what it goes back to doing your research because I feel like if motherfuckers did more research, they wouldn't be quick to be like, stop feeling like they might actually just start shutting the fuck up and maybe even stepping up when need when need be, you know? Like, so I, I posted right. something on um Facebook yesterday 
Um, and I don't know who exactly this guy is. I don't know his name. He seems to be a, an Indian or um, Southeast Asian, a com- like a comedian. He has a mm-hmm. what seems like a show, and I and I have to go back to it. I don't want to say any names. I don't know or anything like that. But he seems like a uh, uh, he has like his almost like a show similar to like the Daily Show. Um, but he's mm-hmm. like, but he's Indian or Southeast Asian, and he was kind of going on a rant about how people who look like him, you know, Trevor Noah. No, no, not Trevor. Not Trevor Noah. Aziz Ansari. Uh, no, not him. But um, <laughs> I'm gonna. I'll, I'll find it. I'll post it. Fantastic. Look at that. Pocahontas. Oh, so, wait. Side note. Side note. Side note. Real, real, real quick. Side note. <sighs> As if 2012, 2020 couldn't get any worse. Fucking hide. hide fucking hide from that 70s show. It's yeah. being charged with three counts of rape and face of life in prison. Why hide, man? Yeah. Oh, wow. Why hide? Yeah. Danny Masterson. Why? Someone said, someone said he can't hide from those counts. Looking <laughs> <laughs> ass. But, he um, must be Masterson. Right. <laughs> 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 um, he, so the, the Indian, uh, Correspondent, correspondent. Basically, just I, I really want to find his name because I feel like that's kind of like that racist to be just saying that. But um, he was basically Chief, how, you know I got because like, how people that he's look from at, New Jersey or something. No, he he he's, he moved here. He's uh, his parents were immigrants, so or they they brought him to the. He was talking about it in the rant. He was like, people who look like us, you know, we pretend to think that it's not our problem; it's the blacks' problem, you know. Like, and he mm-hmm. was like, no. You gotta understand that we're only able to be here because the Immigration Act was signed in '65, a year after Dr. King put the footwork in to let you know get Lyndon B. Johnson to sign um, the Civil Rights Act. So he's like, all this stuff that you're saying, he's like, we make fun of people who are darker skinned in our family. Like he was really going off, like, like yo, y'all need to. How you can help is you right. know be if you're a lawyer, work pro bono for some of the people that's going, that's getting you know cases, you know, for the protests and things like that. Like he was really going. Off. And that, I loved it because it was a prime example of how we as humans need to understand that we are human first, bro. Like, it, not, nothing, all the other shit don't matter, but like, we human first and we need to be passing along good human vibes to other human beings. So, Russell, please continue. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> no, no, that's good. That was, that was good. Um, what, I, what I was um, kind of moving towards is that... Um, um, I was talking to CS earlier about you know some of the things that I, I do on a on a regular basis and you know most of it is like so, school work and they got a full <laughs> ass calendar the some that's what you call some the the he thing is everything. that I got like three daily planners for one week <laughs> yeah dude this man is everything <laughs> it's it's not every day you know I pick my spots like you just you just have to pick your spots whenever you have free time. Um, which what you would normally do with it, try doing something different. Try looking into something. Try learning something. Um, because knowledge, as you know, knowledge is power, but knowledge really frees you from a lot of things because you are certain of what you what you know or what you think you know. Um, so I, I find myself like really looking into things and really researching and going on um, different internet and YouTube journeys because something has sparked my interest. And so, um, because of that, um, with with my my spiritual learning, which has has been somewhat crazy to me, um, more so recently, 
um, I have found myself praying a couple of specific prayers. Um, one of them being um, um, God and everything I do and read more so than an understanding allow me to find an application. Um, a lot of the times we find stuff, we, we research it, we learn it, and we store it away. Um, we may not necessarily share it. Um, we may not necessarily apply it to what we already know um, because that can shake the foundations of what we thought we knew. Um, and I think that's part of the learning process. Yeah, yeah you, you have to apply. Otherwise, what's the point of knowing it? Knowing it just to know is it, it confuses me when people just know stuff just to know stuff. Like, just, is it like, can you um, apply the difference it between somehow, reading somehow. a book and retaining the information? Like, yeah, I read all these books. Yeah. Okay, but what did you yeah. learn from it? Kind of thing. Right. It, yeah. and, and that is it. Um, not even that, like reading and comprehending, like not just retaining it, but comprehending. Uh, because you can read it and retain it and have it stored. But if you don't right. comprehend it and know how to like apply that to your life, or even if it doesn't have an application right now, um, just being in the mindset of this will be good for something later, um, it keeps it kind of swimming around in there so that when a situation comes up, you're like, oh, I read about this. This is what this did. And I know I can apply it this way. Um, not everything you read and, and everything you do will have an application, but ha I think having that mindset changes how you approach things you know what i mean yeah mm -hmm. definitely <coughs> which plays so, right along with the fact that we all need to be a part of this whole getting rid of racism thing and mm -hmm. um, just being good people in general yeah being a good human you mm. know that this issue is happening <laughs> you know if you see somebody doing something stupid especially if they're in your circle and fucking correct them. Yeah. Act on it. Right. And the, the first prayer kind of falls in line with the second prayer because you know, if you if you get knowledge to to want to apply it, um, it keeps you from um, the mindset that, oh, I know this, or, you know, I know this, or you don't know this, or you know what I'm saying? Um, not to lord it over people uh, because I know something uh, more or different from them um, because if you change your thought process from this is what I know to hey, this is what I wish to share you may find that other people have uh, different perspectives and different um, wisdom and experiences regarding what you know to cause the learning process to continually begin again. So the second prayer I, I pray is to let my altitude currently be only a starting point so that it keeps me humble um, and I don't get beside myself with what I think I know. Yeah, yeah. I, that mm. that can be de that can really be detrimental with what you like the whole what you think you know because I spent a lot of like years reading stuff um, and like like y'all saying just re retaining knowledge. So I knew like a lot in my early twenties like the government is fucked up, but it wasn't I wasn't doing enough with the information. Um, and T.S. even kind of put me onto this uh, the other day when we were talking. Uh, I've always known that this shit could get to this point. Like, I've always been one very adamant that the system in America and what we know America to be is just a uh, regurgitated and um, reuse of the word or the ideal of an empire. You know what I'm saying? And they all crumble. Like, you know, Rome, all of that shit. And I used to tell T.S. And T.S. the other day, he put me on. He's like, what the fuck are you 
have you, are you doing, you knew that this was going to happen. You knew we could be here one day. What the fuck were you doing with all the shit you were reading in 2012 and 2013 and you kept trying to tell me You warned me we needed to buy toilet paper, you right. fucker. <laughs> and it's like... But, but the thing is... What? And I just think, like, what y'all saying about reading to comprehend and reading and, and, and having a knowledge that you can apply, it's so, it's so real because... You know, I'm in a boat where I'm super lost, but I've always been like, yep, this is going to happen. But what was I really doing with knowing we get to this point? The truth is, I don't think anything's going back to normal. I don't think anything is going to be what we used to know it as. And I don't think, I think the next year is a critical point for this country. We could, it could, I mean, in so many different levels on financial, like we could really implode like at any moment. We don't want to think about the thing that is, history. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's the thing. That's the thing right there. Um, that's what I was going to say, is that, you know, people who have the knowledge usually also have the hope that maybe this won't happen. And so they don't do that preparation. There's always the, okay, I, I, I read this. This is definitely a possibility, but I hope that it, it, we won't get there. I, you know, <laughs> open faith. I hope <laughs> we'll get there. And I have faith in people that, you know, and that itself is an oxymoron to me. You know what I mean? Um, the thing that, um, and, you know, I keep going back to this because it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, school words buffering. Um, I keep going back to this Dave Chappelle thing because it was so right for the time. Um, he said something um, that we haven't hit critical mass yet that all these other, um, like the apartheid and these other revolutions and everything, they hit a critical mass point to where um, the system had to change because, like you said, we can't go back to normal uh, because normal is not the correct standard. And so we haven't hit that critical mass yet. I think we're, we're steadily approaching it, um, but we haven't hit that critical mass point yet to where there are whole system changes. There have been little changes in organizations, and even those organizational changes, I think, are kind of driven by money for the most part. Um, But there hasn't been a critical mass, up, you know, uprooting of the current system because some people and a lot of people are still content with things because they still have the mindset, this doesn't really affect me. This isn't my, this doesn't have to do with me. You know, I'm so sorry for y'all, but this doesn't have anything to do with me. And there are people higher than them who are like, you know, they can cry and do, you know, cry and fuss and all they, all they want to, but, you know, I'm still getting paid. This is still, you know what I'm saying? They don't have um, any type of empathy or sympathy for the people who are going through this. And it really shows in the actions taken by these people. chicken shit scared of what it means like what anarchy and what like you just said like that whole idea the whole idea of mass um what what, what was the term the term you used critical mass critical mass so us not like it's scary to think that it would potentially have to get worse before it can get better from this point can y'all right. imagine we are I'm okay I can't speak for y'all I keep saying we but I'm gonna speak for me I am scared shitless 
I'm very on edge. I feel my anxiety growing, things of that nature, because we just don't know what happens next, you know? Like, two weeks ago, we were about to be on, on some lockdown shit. You scared to go outside? Like, and not on some quarantine shit, on some don't come out of your house because the National Guards are going to be here, and if you're out past 9 o'clock, we're going to be on your ass. Right. It can get worse. We have, yeah. Things might have to get worse before they get better, and that is where... That is where I can't... Fear comes from. Yeah. Exactly. Like, yeah. I don't know what else <laughs> to do because at some point, I feel like I might have to... I'm, I'm, I'm already like, okay, let me learn some natural things like how to hunt, how to do this, how to do that. At one point, I might have to learn how to be able to just rob and steal from other humans because that's all we have left. Like, the system could be so fucking crumbled that we end up in some mass anarchy. Like, it's... It's crazy to think nobody wants to well, nobody wants to be honest with themselves like, okay, you know, we won't get that far. You hope, you hope, but in order to that's get... That's word again. Exactly, you hope. But in order to get, like you said, motherfuckers who at the top are like, well, they can protest and rah-rah, we'll give them a street sign and let them write Black Lives Matter in the street, but it, they, it won't affect me. You got to run in them motherfuckers' face. You got to run it in their house. And drag them out to the war going on outside. You understand what I'm saying? Like that is what you got to threaten. Hold the fucking man in charge head to a machete. Like you got to stop. Like you have right, to pull right. them into the into the midst of what's going on. We haven't gotten there yet. Right. I don't know what it took for the apartheid. Like what was the 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 or you know the stamp on it? They were like, okay, we're gonna switch it up because y'all motherfuckers might kill us if we don't stop trying to kill y'all like I don't know what we have to what else has to happen in America for that for it to get right but it's usually Listen. some pretty brutal shit right like right now we're still at the peaceful stage the the people who are protesting are still at the peaceful stage um of course the the other side is not necessarily being as peaceful um but right now we're still at that peaceful uh, phase. We're still at that peaceful phase where we're trying to talk it out. We're trying to tell you like this is what it is. We're going to stop doing this. We're going to stop spending here. We're going to stop doing this so that you get an idea of what we what we want. We want these demands met. We want these these situations to change. And then from there it grows to the more aggressive, the more warlike, um, tactical, um, barbaric form of not just protest now now we're at war because it's clear that you have no um no thoughts about meeting our demands and and changing so that we can just be human it's not even like we're asking for you all to pay for the things that you've done to us we just want to be seen as human as human as a standard not less than human not three-fifths of a human um as human, not beast of burden, not you know, not not disposable, not um, this this Thirteenth Amendment thing has really been um, sitting heavy on my head um, since I've learned about that. That it is legal um, for an uh, an organization or an institution, um, an administration, to enforce labor on those they have in prison. So that's legal slave labor. So they can be mm -hmm. 
worked to the to death basically because they're in prison, and that's still a violation of human human right. Um, that's still a legal thing. So if you think about the whole school um, prison pipe process, um, you understand how that would work for the prisons and how so many organizations um, are benefiting from this because they they, they make everything. They're like um, tables, desks, um, chairs, rising plates, um, underwear. They make panties in prison. Like, are you serious? Um, there's so many organizations that are benefiting from slave labor because it's still legal to enslave people. And that's a terrible um, system to be under still. Um, until the paradigm shifts, until the to, to their major changes in the whole of legislation, there will continue to be this civil unrest. And then once we hit that critical mass, whatever it is, um, because we don't even know what that means yet. We don't even know what that that could entail. Because um, the things that I just described as far as like the warlike, barbaric things could only be the middle or the beginning of this critical mass that we have to see because we have centuries of this um, this degradation and this um, these destructive um, habits of our, of our government um, continuing, continuing to happen. Um, when I look back at uh, Black Wall Street and how many businesses and how much influence and how much wealth that it generated, like 21 movie theaters, um, 20 hospitals, banks, like we had basically our own self-sufficient society and the destruction and the wanton, um, racist, murderous intent of the people who came through and destroyed that place is, in my opinion, unforgivable. So the fact that we're just protesting to be seen as human and not for reparations should make the government very, very amicable at this point. Because if we wanted reparations, it would be a whole different um, situation. So, I'll wrap this up on this. Um, you've got to put, to put the work in. Now that we have um, a foundation of knowledge, um, we have some experience and some wisdom behind it, now that we're looking to apply, not just understand, what are we going to do now? What is the next step? What, what are we supposed to be doing? What are we, where are we moving towards? What are we headed towards? What should we be applying our, our whole self to? spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, financially, socially, technology-wise. What is the next step for us? Where are we going? What are we supposed to be doing? There's something that we need to be directed to, some purpose that we have to be working towards. So what are we going to do? we got to put the work in. Amen to that. Amen to that. Uh, in the church, or at least my pastor says a lot of... Um, Faith without works is dead. Yeah. And it echoes the same thing that you're saying, Russ, in that you can know all this stuff, but unless you're doing anything with it, there's no point. Right. Yeah. Well, I guess you could use that information to go on Jeopardy. Then at that point, it'd be a point. (laughs) (laughs) That still works, though. (laughs) Right. Yeah, well, it eventually works for you. What is something I learned from a book? 
(laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, fucked up story of the week. Finally, a fucked up story happened that has nothing to do with... Yeah, because, I mean, everything (laughs) in the media and news has all been race relations, um, some political figure fucked up and did something stupid again, um, and it's all been around this. Yeah, it is. Oh, I got got a good lead up. Um, Quit monkeying around. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you did there, because... The title of this fucked up story, and the title by itself is funny and dope as fuck. Well, not so much dope. But you know how fucked up stories work. So, the title... <laughs> the title of this article is Alcoholic Killer Monkey Leaves One Man Dead and 250 Injured After Going on a Rampage When His Booze Supply Dried Up. That was in India, by the way. And this is it. This is a real story. Wait, how many injured? <laughs> how many he injured 250. A lot. A lot. <laughs> Did he let off a bomb or what the fuck you do? This terroristic-ass monkey, what the fuck going on, dog? So, you ever play... I think there's a Nintendo game called Rampage, where it evolves Donkey something. Kong. <laughs> Donkey Kong. Hey, wait, wait. Yeah, there's yeah, really, Rampage. He really went ape shit. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. <laughs> Yeah, so you could call it guerrilla warfare. <laughs> <laughs> this is why he's on the fucked up story of the week team. Russell, we're considering your application. <laughs> you have too many yeah, genes. So, no. <laughs> just, um, this monkey, was by, this monkey was owned by someone who, um, I guess, drank with his monkey. And I don't know how amicable their relationship was or whatever, but the owner eventually passed away. By this time, the monkey was an alcoholic. I don't think anyone knew it until um, he was put inside of a zoo and he was fucking up all the other monkeys. He did not get along well with anybody. So then they put his ass in solitary confinement. <laughs> Anytime they tried to feed him, they realized that he didn't get along with the female humans. Like, he would always act out against them and try to attack them. So, I guess he solely gets um, care from male humans. And I don't know if it was before or after solitary confinement, but he killed somebody and he <laughs> fucked up damn near a whole town, dog, off of the fact <laughs> that nobody was giving him any alcohol. Somewhere along the lines of him being in the zoo, they figured out that he was an alcoholic and he was going through withdrawal. I wonder how they figured that out, though. Right, like... <laughs> I... Lord knows. I, I wonder if... Yeah, I have no idea. How the do you... The zoo knows. <laughs> the zoo knows. <laughs> yeah, like, what, were they just saying, well, what's wrong with... Do you? Are you upset that you don't have any Coke? Try this. <laughs> right. No. <laughs> no, okay. It's not a Coke addiction. It's not a Coke addiction. Try this X. Right. Yep, nope, 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 not that addiction either. Here, try some this, liquor. This oh, monkey's just oh, having fine. the time of his life. Like, yeah, definitely not this one. Let's keep going. What else you got? <laughs> yeah, dude, I have no idea how they were, uh, how they deciphered that. But yeah, alcoholic killer monkey. That's the fucked up story of last week. 
And oh man, I'm so glad that you guys had brought up video games and stuff for um during the sports section because that was actually part of the fun fact today. Okay. There were two PlayStation One games, FIFA two thousand one and Gran Turismo two. And which were um scratch and sniff discs. The FIFA two thousand the FIFA 2001 <laughs> smelled like a soccer field, and Gran Turismo 2 smelled like car tires. <laughs> Man, wait, I'd be like, my wait, PS1 is busted. Wait it's a smoking. fucking minute. <laughs> what? Wait a fucking minute. <laughs> and I I looked it up online, and um, a lot of a number of different websites and sources have also supported this claim that. There were two PlayStation 1 games with scratch and sniff discs. Can you can imagine how many people would scratch the bottom side and complain or something? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> people aren't smart. You don't want to know what Conker's Bad Fur Day smelled like. <laughs> can I? Random. This is just a random bit since we're talking about video games. I just want to point out a, a very sad, fun fact. Um, so Grand you were the one that's bought with the stick? The, the CD? Bottom. No, the... the Grand Theft Auto, three. Oh yep, yeah. Vice City, San Andreas, and four. Yep. All came yep. out within a seven. Within year, seven years. Seven years. We've been fucking stuck <laughs> with Grand Theft Auto five, Auto five for, for going eight on years. eight years. Eight years. And the PS5 is coming out, and they're gonna release another GTA five. So, <laughs> so, so instead of giving us Grand Theft Auto six next year, they will be re-releasing GTA five <laughs> for these fucking systems. This is the third. You know why? You know why? Why? Whenever they do that, it's because they have one in pro in progress, but they got to give you something. So they don't have enough set aside yet that I can they can uh, they have a working logo, they have a working title, or a working six. screenshot six. that they can show you. What the it's called fuck six. do you want no. from us? Dude, I beat I beat. No, they they have to have a location because every every Grand Theft Auto, what from three yeah, they've... had a, a location. They have to figure out the location that they want. They've done many polls. I'm surprised you haven't seen it on Twitter, where they're like, "Which where should we place the next Grand Theft Auto? I think one yep. was like New York, one was like Japan. It was, like, it was a few different there places. France, Himalayas, Miami, Chicago. Yeah. I want to go back to Vice City, kind of how they did uh, Grand Theft Auto 5. They went back to um, Los Santos and San Andreas. I want to go back to like Vice City like for six. But, but I say that only to say this. I beat Grand Theft Auto Five the first two weeks it came out in 2013 on PS3. Really? Yes. The first two weeks. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you know, hey, it's me. Um, the first PS, <laughs> PS4 didn't exist yet. When I beat Grand Theft Auto Five, PS4 didn't exist, and they're bringing this to PS5. I can't take it. I can't take it. So it was on the PS3, the PS4, and the PS5. <laughs> yes, bro. What game? Who does I don't that? Think it ever happened. That? But. I think it'd be dope if they had a Grand Theft Auto, but in like the DC or Marvel universe. Huh. And yeah, like what? You maybe me? you want to check a car with Batman around? No way, Jose. <laughs> maybe you could be Batman and you're fucking up the city, and then Superman and everybody else is trying to attack you when you get five stars or whatever. That you wouldn't get past one star, man. Damn. You get a litter and get your neck busted. You know what's crazy? <laughs> yeah, I just crazy. I just, I just went on a rant about how that, how I'm pissed off about that. Now I think I might go to the store and grab Grand Theft Auto Five tomorrow. Fuck. <sighs> well, look, let me tell you this. Um, as far as the new systems coming out, I'm probably gonna get both. Um, Whoa. 
if I decide to, to continue with the consoles. Um, Mr. Right Rich now, Man. because of how much they're talking or speculating the system is going to cost, they're saying upwards from 600 so 6, 600 yeah. 750 800 um, My thing is... I'm probably well. I'm, I know I'm not going to buy the systems within the first three to five months um, because it's stupid. Um, because I already see them having problems with overheating and and some just some other uh, functional problems um, right. right now with the designs. Uh, but if the price that they say is going to be six hundred or better, I don't see myself buying another console. I really don't. Um, I would just save up and just piece together a PC um, because I'm going to have better technology in the consoles. I also have access to free games and then cheaper games because it's PC. Plus, I can mod, and I, I really like that aspect of playing video games to see what the game can do if you mod it. So, um, the PC I'm not, so you can do everything else with it because it's a fucking PC and not a, a video game console. Well, if I do a PC, it would be strictly for gaming. Um, so I mean, it could possibly possible to do everything else, but I have my my laptop for that. So it's kind of, like my Word documents will be lit. <laughs> <laughs> so the PC would strictly be for gaming purposes because that eats up a lot of memory doing all of that and programming and stuff like that. So more likely, I'd have I would just keep my laptop for anything other than that. Uh, but that's kind of the direction I'm looking at going because I think right now people are really considering the fact that this new industry uh, because of how pricey everything is that it would be feasible to or more feasible to go the pc route because yeah. you save a lot more in the long run so let me i mean you. yeah if the consoles are 600 bucks you throw another uh, 400 on there and you have a really good mm-hmm. pc mm-hmm. That you can just upgrade parts on that cost i don't know 20 to 100 dollars 20 bucks up to 100 bucks Right, up to a couple of years later, instead of just getting yeah. a whole new computer, you can just, like, swap out this or that. Is there a way Is there a way to insert... Well, I, no, I guess it would be cheating. I was thinking about, like, putting, like, in drives that would allow you to... In your computer that would allow you to play certain console games, like an emulator of some sort, because I know they had those back in the day, but... Most likely. I, I bet yes. you there's somebody out there that's playing... Um, PS2 games on their PC right now. My, my, I have that. The only reason I ask that type of question is because I've thought about the PC thing before. I've had people bring that idea to me, but there are exclusives on like PlayStation that a lot of the Xbox stuff comes to computers because Microsoft, you know, is big right. like cross like cross breeding of their Windows and, and, and Xbox stuff. Sony, on the other hand, I don't know how many of their exclusives are PC, like, coming to PC, so I'll be worried that I'll be missing a lot of Sony exclusives uh, if I go PC as opposed to console. So. I was going to say, my cousin has a home entertainment system. My cousin has a home entertainment system that he built, so, like, he can play, like, even all his Nintendo, but even, like, Xbox and stuff games, but I know he's, an ex- like, on his TV and one remote, but, uh, and his computer is like hooked up to it, but I know he's a Xbox guy, not a PlayStation guy. So, yeah, yeah. Well, that is episode sixty-eight on that ass. Not politically correct. <laughs> the video game <laughs> the edition. Yeah, the video game edition. Sega. <laughs>
Rampage. <laughs> Episode 68. This is the homie TS, a.k.a. C-Nova. You know I gotcha. And you can find me on Twitter at C-Nova, KPZ. McCoy? It's your boy, Rue McCoy, a.k.a. Miss What to Do, a.k.a. The Young Splash God. You know you can find me on Twitter at Rue McCoy KPZ and also Snapchat at Rue McCoy Rebel. Cody? Cody. See the recording everything. <laughs> Ooh, that's hot. Young can burn your Hope you That's you. Um. How's that? Russ, bar man. Thank you, Russ. Who wears Q? Progenitor. Um, Russ the bus. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody ugly to me for that. Wall Wally over there. All right. Um. <laughs> You can find me on Snapchat. Uh, I'm soon to be Thaddeus Snapchatius. Um, and on IG, Candy Cupidity, C A N D I D underscore C P I D I T Y. The artist formerly known as Thaddeus Snapchatius. Wait, Candy Cupidity. That's me. And don't forget, first of all, I didn't do this earlier. But shout out to everybody that's surviving Corona. If you're still alive yeah. and you had that, or you we're escape, winning, you escaped having it at all. <laughs> 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 um, and don't forget to follow us, uh, our Facebook group at Not Politically Correct Podcast. Like our Facebook page, NPC Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Not PC Podcast. And listen, like, review, comment on SoundCloud, the podcast app, Spotify, Spreaker. Uh, Google Play, just find us at not politically not politically correct podcast. God, all the time, sixty eight times I've done it, and I still can't say our fucking name. Not politically correct podcast. <laughs> right, and on that note, McCoy. Dang.